You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network located at anchor.fm slash WCMJ. This is a sports podcast based that talks about NBA, football, and anything else that can come to the sports fan mind. We stick to the educated and the diehard fans, as well as the casual listener as well. Our show is brought to you by New Taylor & Associates, located at newlawoffice.com. You can also check out our wonderful sponsors, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, located at facebook.com backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Strip Cam Fun also helps bring you this podcast, as well as our sponsors at Stay Classy Meats, where you can use promo code WIDEMEN to save 10% on your order of the freshest meat available in the United States. Now, let's take it over to our host. Here's Nate and Tim bringing you this week's edition of Wide Men Can't Jump. We are back. Once again, it is another week of the Wide Man and Wide Men We Trust here on Wide Men Can't Jump. I am your host, the uh, former Prince of Parlays. Actually, I still am. I hit a couple this week. The Parlay Prince himself. And joining me as always, the worst hockey better from a hockey expert I've ever seen, the one, the only, the walrus, Tim Dombrova. I don't know you. <laughs> Who am I speaking with again? In, in your defense, it was a bad weekend for us both in the betting game. Well, you know, I just have to maybe get a little bit wiser, you know, instead of Let's pick a 17-game parlay and get 15 of them right. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of seems the, the, the story of us here, isn't it? It's just like, oh, well, we'll pick five games. Oh, you got four of them. Oh, no. Is that, is that wisdom or is it greed? Uh, yes. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> thought I'd check. Damn stimulus check. Oh, got to love it. But anyway... It's it's another week here in the wide men world. We're we're wide men and living in a wide men world, I guess you could say. Living in a wide men world. And I am a wide men girl. Oh, oh anyway. Uh, I come from a land. Down under. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think down under didn't really well, you could sing that to me, I guess. Amanda, maybe. <laughs> Where when I walk, yeah, I make thunder. <laughs> my legs rub together and I make thunder. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But anyway, uh, it's been another crazy week in the sports world. I mean, there there's a little bit of NBA that we're going to have to bring up, or not NBA, uh, NFL uh, offseason move that uh, I think we're going to have to talk about. Plenty of NBA to talk talk about as well this week. But of course, we are getting ever so close now. To the NCAA tournament. The conference tournament is around the corner. The tournaments are, I mean, we're getting close here, Tim. Big, big, big game today, Nate. Oh, yeah. Yes. As we record this. Uh, And actually, yeah, what, that starts, I believe, in an hour, eh? About when we're done. Baylor and West Virginia are going to sock it out. I will definitely be tuned in for that one. That is a... Number two, number three versus number six both, on a uh, Tuesday afternoon of yeah, all places. Both, both locked into the tournament already, regardless of the yeah, outco- outcome. But still, uh, West Virginia beats Baylor 
Uh, that's got to make West Virginia a two seed. They are projected two seed right now. But it's uh, got to be a lock for a two seed if they beat Baylor. Potentially, yes. Won't, I mean, won't, won't hurt them if they lose to Baylor. No, they might drop a spot or two, but I don't think they're going to go too far. I mean, they're a top 10 team in my opinion. And and it's kind of hard to believe West Virginia. You know, Of course, I'm, I'm a homer. I'm a West Virginia fan. Big fan of Bob Huggins. Big fan of the team. They, um, they are a... A team that lost one of their top recruits, you know, somewhere in the in the season, and if anything, it li- it lit a fire under him. Oscar Sheway uh, abandoned ship and takes off for uh, Kentucky, and now we're sitting with West Virginia. They have Culver McBride. Uh, what? How's that? How's that working out for him? Well, he can't even play this year. He left, and now he can't play. He can't play well, the next. He's, at least he's missing Kentucky when they aren't very good. Yeah, really. Uh, but yeah, so West Virginia, Baylor, that should be a good one today. Um, There's a couple of uh, good games. Michigan's uh, number two, Michigan against number four, Illinois. That should be a good game. That's a big one too. I mean, a, a Tuesday full of games. We, we're dropping the show on Wednesday, so we're, you'll know the results. But we're hyped for these games, obviously. These are big games. Um, let's look at the standings here, shall we, Tim? Uh, the AP top 25 Gonzaga, the number one team in the country getting 59 votes as the number one team in the country. They are 24 and O and they've not really, you know, uh, deserving number one, maybe have they been, Um, well, uh, okay. First of all, haven't lost. So there is that. Okay, I'll give them that. They have a lot. So nobody else can make that claim. They did beat West Virginia. They did. Um, They have seven quad one wins, which is more than anybody else. Uh, Actually, that's not true. Uh, Michigan has eight, but they have a loss in the quad one games. So that's the reasoning there. Um, I don't know what their strength of schedule is. That might be something a guy might um, might might be a hole for them. There's a, a way I can look. It it does hurt them being in well, the conference they're in. Yeah, I think. Being, being in the WCC is not is not helpful to them. Well, I'll give them this though. I, I will tip my hat to them. They beat Kansas by twelve. They beat West Virginia by five. They did play Auburn and beat Auburn. Um, you know they were supposed to play Baylor. There's and that didn't happen because of um, I believe COVID issues. It was like a neutral site location game that got moved. Uh, they did beat Iowa by ten. They beaten Virginia. I mean, they beat some good schools. Yeah, but it's almost I mean, they're, like they're not they're not bad. We just not sure how good they really are. They're good. I think they're deserving of the number one seat, a uh, number one team right now, because nobody's beating them, and they have played some quality opponents. Now that I'm looking at their schedule, yeah, they've played some quality opponents. Yeah, now, but, can but, they beat those quality opponents in the tournament? I don't know because they haven't played a ranked team in a since, long time. Uh, the day after Christmas, yeah, and that was Virginia. So, you know, they're been, playing San Francisco. They're playing BYU, Pepperdine, St. Mary's. Yeah, I mean Pacific. they've been beating up on some San Francisco. Yeah, I mean they've San been beating Diego. up on some no, on some nobodies, but um, they got a good team. There's there's they no, do. no two ways around that. Um, 
Is there any teams you'd like to ask me about that aren't in the top 25, Nate? <laughs> oh, Tim, I can only imagine who you're speaking on. Well, let's let's see where after. Uh, let's go through the top 25, and we'll uh, we'll see if the listeners can guess <laughs> with the conspicuousness of their absence. Well, there's a lot of them. There's there is actually one. Gonzaga at one, Michigan at two. They get four first place votes. Uh, at three, Baylor after their loss, they suffered the other day. Um, and, and you got to kind of give it to Baylor on that one. They took one on the chin there because they were off for so long uh, with the COVID protocol and they lose to Kansas. Uh, not a bad team to lose to, mind you. I mean, t- Kansas, while we were kind of questioning them at the beginning of the year, they've turned it around. Illinois at four, Iowa at five, West Virginia at six, Ohio State seven, Alabama eight, Houston at nine, Villanova at 10. Then Florida State at 11, Arkansas is 12. Who'd have thunk that, by the way? Arkansas moving up that high. Well, we haven't seen Arkansas up in the top 25 like that in a while. Um, Kansas at 13, they've climbed, they've called their way back, has Kansas, to really get up in this top 25 because they were out at one point. Now, granted, they're going to get a little bit more love because they are Kansas, but they've won some big games and, and gotten back in it. Creighton at 14, Texas at 15, Oklahoma at 16, Oklahoma State at 17. And Oklahoma State's another team that's clawed their way in. Uh, Texas Tech's at 18, San Diego State at 19, Loyola Chicago is at 20, Virginia 21, Virginia Tech 22, Purdue 23, Colorado 24, and Wisconsin winds it up at 25. So that's what, you're reading the AP poll? That's the AP poll. Okay, because I have the official NCAA Division One rankings, and I'm not sure. Oh, this is right from the NCAA site. Okay, I'm not sure exactly what the mix is for how they come up with their uh, rankings, because they've got uh, like what did we just say? The West Virginia was ranked sixth. Yes. Okay, they have them at thirteen. Yeah, everybody goes by the AP poll normally. Okay, and uh, who else was a Kansas? They have at ten. Uh, I mean, the, the teams are all there. They're just at different spots for the most part, anyway. Some of the weird ones that I'm seeing though is like Saint Bonaventure at thirty-two, but st- still, I don't even know where that school is. Somewhere over on the the uh, east coast, I believe. I think they're in the Atlantic 10 conference, if memory serves. Uh, St. Bonaventure is located uh, in New York. Okay, fair enough. In St. Bonaventure, New York. Okay, right on, the things you learn. Uh, they've got, uh, okay, some of the big players. They've got, uh, where is Ken- Kentucky at number 65? Uh, Auburn at 69. You want a uh, you want a St. Bonaventure blast from the past alumni? Oh yeah, by all means. Bob Lanier. Oh okay, well that's not even just a half decent player. That's a great player. Um, yeah. Our poor our poor friends down at uh, Cameron Indoor Arena are sitting at fifty eight, and are in big trouble. Oh, big, big. They big are in trouble. big, big. They may have to rely on conference tournament. I did not know this either. Uh, Chuck Daly 
went to St. Bonaventure. Oh, okay. Well, that's two pretty good alumni right there. I mean, that's right up there with Marshall and uh, Steve New and somebody else. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. You're right. I think I've nailed that. Um, yeah, that's the selection. Uh, selection Sunday is in 12 days. Hard to believe. Well, there's a whole lot of basketball going to happen. Oh, yeah. In the next Conference two weeks. tournaments are gearing up, and we are looking forward to it. I love, I love this time of year when it comes to basketball. We're getting, you know, we're going to get this, the conference tournament time. And the best part, the first few days, you can just sit at home and watch games all day. It's oh, a, it's magical. If, if you've got good, if you've got a good television, you go screen and screen. Absolutely. And you're watching like three, four games. I got up here. I don't know if you guys, you probably have something similar. Tell us television up here, which is the big uh, service provider in my neck of the woods. Yeah. They actually have a channel dedicated to that where the screen is actually split yeah. in four for you. Four for you. See what I did there? Yeah, and, I see. Uh, you can just watch everything yeah, that's we, on we, at we have that here. We have that here on one of the channels. Um, one thing that they are good about down here, especially the first weekend of the tournament or the first week of the tournament, is they put every single game on um on tv that you can um that you can watch like if you don't want to watch the split screen you can go pick any game you want and they're all really close to each other i think it's like cbs true tv tnt tbs um all those channels are all playing games all at the same time i don't normally have much good to say about network television but I will say that CBS, at least the last few years up here, anyway, I don't know. Yeah. You, I assume you guys are getting the same stuff. Um, they're pretty good, too, about, okay, this game is out of reach. Let's take you over to. Well, that's the thing here. We don't have to do that. You pick where you want to go because every game is on TV. Well, they are here, too, but CBS itself, like whatever oh. game they're, they're highlighting. If yeah. it gets out of hand or whatever, they will leave it and go to a, you know, if there's something else going on that say, you know, we're going to take you where number 14 is about to be to three or something. Yeah. They'll, they'll go take you there yeah, and show you that. look in there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's good. They do that. Uh, and speaking of which, once the brackets are set, we'll go ahead and make this announcement. The wide men tournament pool is returning. Now, who, Again this year. who won the 2.5 million Iranian dollars last year? <laughs> I believe that was, uh, I believe that was your son. Somebody won, uh, I don't know, but somebody won that big, uh, yeah, because didn't he pass up the, uh, the Canadian equivalent and Iranian, whatever they were? <laughs> it was I like, can't even remember, it was but... like 20, it was, it was some crazy amount. Armando won the fantasy football uh equivalent i remember that uh but I'll this year up with something again along those in those veins you know yes uh again this is uh the wide men can't jump uh tournament bracket pool where if you are successful in winning the tournament bracket pool we didn't get to do this last year and i missed it oh i missed it so much uh not only will you win some cash prize you will also be invited on the show. Oh, I thought you were going to say we promised to make you an all-elite meme. 
<laughs> yes, we should do that too. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. That was, that was well worth the laughs. <laughs> it yeah. was, uh, I believe it was Iranian Ryle. Uh, so the winner will receive eight hundred and forty-two thousand one hundred Iranian Ryle. What's that? So, twenty? What's that? Twenty U.S. Yes, but <laughs> so there you go. Well, you could if make you it were, sound a little better. You could say that's you know twenty-six fifty Canadian or whatever it works out to. I mean, if it's if we want to go that route, uh, roughly thirty cents on the dollar. Roughly, yeah, we'll, we'll go. I can find it right now while we're here. Uh, if we're going to go the Canadian route of things, well, the Canadian, Canadian dollar listeners. will be. Uh, let's see here. It'd be yeah, about twenty-six bucks Canadian. I mean, think about what you can do with twenty U.S. dollars, though. You know. Not a, hell of a, not a hell of a lot, really. But. but we're not charging an entrance fee. True. Well, but I'm just saying, like, if you win the 20 bucks, I mean, to win the $20 is, jeez, you don't want 20 Who doesn't want $20? But, yeah. You know, I mean. It's basically Bog, like lunch on us. You know, Bogus can, you know, make a late night sheets run. Yeah, just for, just for him. <laughs> Twenty bucks. That's well, a lot. He's he's probably still gonna have to dip into in pocket for something. Yeah, there. but you know, two for one uh, coupon. So, so yeah, but, just uh, you know, we'll make the I'll make the bracket pool. It'll probably be on ESPN, but we will send the link out via the Twitter and I mean, via uh, Nick Hoff will Nick will just put twenty dollars worth of gas in his truck and drive as far as he can possibly get. It'll be about fifteen and a half feet. Well, uh, that's fifteen and a half feet further away from the. <laughs> <laughs> from the joys of his the joys of a father. pregnant wife. <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to say that. But... I'll say it. I ain't scared of Danielle unless she's close by. Uh, she's I am. Close. She's not close by. Is she? I'm afraid of her, and I've never met her. Uh, but yes. Yeah, so again, be ready. You too can win eight hundred and forty-two thousand one hundred Iranian ru- riles uh, if you get in the wide men can't jump pool and you win. So we'll I see. Know, what... no. No, and I'm going to add something to that. Oh, sweet in the pot. I'm not sweet in the pot. You will get $20 and a five minute Zoom session where Kyrie Irving will explain to you flat earth theory. <laughs> I want to know, I want to know how you, how you manage that. Kyrie likes to talk. Oh yeah, he does. And he if does, he can, if he uh... can recruit anybody to that theory, he's a uh, special guests. Who else, who else is flat earthers? Who are some other crazy Didn't Shaq people? one? He could be, but geez, you'd think the size of Shaq, he would definitely be against the flat earth. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, There's got to be some talk, celebrities that are. There was the talk flat. AJ Styles was. Yeah, isn't AJ? Which is weird considering he's very, very much a Christian man. Well, I mean, who the says flat you, earth? I mean, I don't know. Uh, here's a list of celebrities you think the earth, the earth is flat. Right, uh, Kyrie week. Irving would be one. Tila Tequila. Boy. <laughs> Okay, she's not a class from the past and all that. Yeah, Tia, Tia, Tila Tequila. I mean, is uh, Kanye West? Well, this is before she was banned from Twitter for posting a picture of herself and two other men giving a Nazi salute, by the way. Uh, B.O.B., and I don't mean Bob, I mean B.O.B., whoever that? that is. Yeah. George Bernard Shaw. But then it says not really. So I don't know about that. Isn't he an author? Uh, yes, Sherry Shepard, uh, sorta, is what it says. How can you sorta believe in? It's either flat or round. Pick one. Somebody, please tell me. 
this one said Thomas Dolby honorary because Dolby released the Flat Earth in 1984. Oh, they're really they're really reaching for for some celebrity hangers. Yeah, I think I'm going to start the regular you, you know, polygon. You know Thomas theory. Dolby, right? You know Thomas Dolby. She blinded right? me with science. Science. God. She blinded me when she hit me on the side of the head with a frying pan. Kyrie Irving is really the name one. Uh, oh my god. That's it, eh? That's pretty. That's weak. really the big one. Uh, Kanye West is another one. So Kanye I was going to say, okay, but there, that just takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. AJ Styles apparently is another one. Question uh, is now, now that Kanye is getting away from that Kardashian circus, will will Kanye go back to being only slightly crazy as opposed to full-blown crazy like he is right now? Apparently, Stefan Diggs is a, a flat earther. Wow. Okay. Well, hey, you know, there's people in the world that believe crazier things than flat earth. So. This, this article is really funny. Flat earther, Tila tequila, but she'll say anything for attention. <laughs> <laughs> that ain't wrong. That Draymond is, Green uh, is a flat earther. Boy, that that, that says it all. <laughs> is there some kind of connection between whining and flat earth believing? Shaquille O'Neal, but he's starting to backtrack on his belief. Well, Chuck, I don't know if I believe in the flat earth. This is random. Odd belief. Dan Aykroyd thinks aliens are watching Mick Jagger dance. In the streets? Uh, apparently, Sammy Watkins, flat earther. Uh, I guess he—he's what he's all he's trying to do is explain why he can't catch a football. The Earth's flat; it don't hang high enough. I just, yeah. And Sherry Shepard, the other one. Who's Sherry Shepard? Uh, comedian and talk show host. No, because the first thing I—she's I, on the View. She's on. When the you view. say Sherry Shepard, I immediately went to Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop. Well, yeah. I don't think it's them. A little. Well, I don't know if Sherry Lewis is even alive anymore. Maybe. Don't know. All right. Well, I tell you what. Let's shift gears here. Let's jump over to the NBA. We've we've made enough jokes. Uh, oh no, I'm gonna make some more, but they're NBA related. Oh yes, yes we are. Let's kick it off with my guy Malik Beasley. He was in the news not too long ago for um, having to go on to house arrest after the season is over. Well, apparently, uh, he's being suspended for 12 games because of that off-season incident. So, the NBA, the, the NBA is more concerned about his domestic violence than the police are? Apparently. The courts? <laughs> apparently. <laughs> That's somewhat odd and somewhat backwards compared to how it normally works. Yeah, it, it is. It is. That's uh, kind of strange, honestly. I didn't... Okay. He's, now, he's, been, he's been suspended for 12 games. Random amount, too, 12 games. But uh, who knows? Um, MRI on the 76ers forward Tobias Harris's right knee showed no structural damage. It did confirm a contusion. So Tobias Harris will be out a little while with injury. Tobias. <laughs> Thanks for your input. Uh, Tobias sounds like, you know, some kind of, I don't know, hippie new wave jazz group. Ladies and gentlemen, Tobias. <laughs> Jesus. Net star Kevin Durant will be out through the All-Star break due to a left hamstring strain now. 
Yeah, Kevin Durant found out found out you put money on him to win MVP, and he said, "Screw that." Boy, did he? My God, I'm gonna go take me a vac a vacay. Send my <laughs> checks to uh, Magic City, please. It seems like he has. Uh, he definitely like Magic City. You know how it is. I'm here. I'm here to stay. But yeah, Durant just. Um, I don't know. Probably could play if he had to. Seems like something that he's just like, eh, I don't really feel like like fooling with it. <laughs> just going to kick back. They're winning while. without me. Is that part of the reason? Possibly. Possibly. Well, why, they why, are. Yeah. I mean, why drag him back if you're winning without him? No point in him hurrying back. He might as well get 100 per if you can get him there. Right. If you can get him there, that would be the, the way to do it, if you ask me. Or do you play I'm, off? Yeah, because they're on they're on the track for the playoffs. Obviously, they're you know a lot of people are taking them as the favorite, but I'm I'm still I don't know I, I don't know if I'm really uh, on I, that boat yet. I, I I hate the Lakers. I don't like LeBron James, but until somebody beats them, I don't know. Well, they've been really struggling lately. Yeah, with, lately, but they don't Davis, have but, playing. So, but once again, you'll hear more about that later in the show. When we when I talked to Trevor Lane, we discussed this. We we talk about this. I thought we were having a Lakers moment. Mm. No. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Kevin Durant is out for a while, so he'll be back after the All Star break. Which uh, NBA All Star break is coming up soon. It, we're we're getting close, and they did release the uh, the second half schedules. By the way. Yeah, where I. I don't know if it was the same for everybody, but I saw there was an awful lot of back-to-back. Uh, yeah, a lot of crammed-in games to try to get everything to fit in. So absolutely. And again, we talked about the All-Star break starts March seventh, um, so and then the, yeah, I mean it's next week. So that's next week. They're doing again. We talked about it last week. They're doing the the three-point contest. The Slam dunk contest, the skills competition, all the same day as the game. So, so the so the, the everything is what Sunday and March seventh, yes. And they uh, so there's games scheduled for Sunday night. <laughs> Feels that way, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, it's not. It's not going to be that much of a break. Truth. The Raptors can the Raptors can play Sunday night because they don't have anybody on the, in the game. So <laughs> yeah, I mean a couple teams could honestly. They could play the they could play the Pacers that night, and it wouldn't yeah, matter. Very easily could. Uh, let's see. The actual All Star break begins on Friday, and then the games up Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, that's not a that's a nice break for you know anybody who's not in the game can you can get on a plane Friday afternoon, be home late Friday or Saturday, unless you live in Canada, of course, in which case you can't pull it off. Yeah. But if you're anywhere else, anywhere pretty decent else, break. You get about a week, roughly. Hell, anything more than a day. If you're not in a, I wonder what what they have to stay in the protocol. Well, and there's only two games on right? Wednesday. Most of the teams don't get back at it until Thursday. But they have some kind of rules they have to follow, though. Correct. Oh yeah, there is protocol. There is protocol. Like they can only visit. I think they can only go like to family, and they have to be tested, and the family has to be tested, and. I'm thinking I'm just taking me a room at Magic City and <laughs> your love of Magic City. <laughs> well, I, I think I we don't know that get I them up as a sponsor. That would I be don't hard. know that I'd bother. Like, okay, unless I had a wife and kids, I don't know if I bother going home. By the time I get, because you haven't been there, right? 
So by the time you get home and get used to being home, it's time to turn around and go back. You're probably better off staying wherever you've been staying. That might be less of an upheaval, you know, just video game and sleep or whatever it is guys do these days. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good way to look at it. It's a very good possibility. Uh, some of them may do that. I don't know. We'll Hard see. To say. We'll, well, I'm sure it'll come out. Uh, Joachim Noah has officially retired from the NBA. Uh, I believe he's going to sign like a one-day contract and retire as a Chicago Bull, which is where he spent the majority of his career. So after, um, what, four or five years of total irrelevance and injuries and everything else, he's finally had enough? Basically, yes. Yeah, you know what? Good for, good for him that he's not going to try to drag it out any further. He's been in the league 13 years. I mean, yeah, that's enough. Nice, nice career. Yeah, that's enough. He made a few bucks. He didn't. He didn't make hundreds of millions, but I'll bet you he met. But know, he man. he probably made over a hundred million because he signed a fairly big contract there. Yeah, well, I mean he made quite a bit. But I'm gonna be, check. Let's see what check, his net worth check, is. Check that out. I don't. I don't know what his net worth might be, but he must have made uh, a certain amount of money. It'd have to be high. Net personal. worth of fifty million. Okay, so he's probably made a hundred then. Easily, yeah. God how. How's he going to get? How's he going to get by, Nate? I don't know. We might have to have a GoFundMe for him. May have to. May have to turn send him into the DHHR. <laughs> Isn't that what Paul McCartney's saying about back in the DHHR? All right. Anyway, lucky you are, Kyrie. Oh, by uh, the way, happy uh, happy belated birthday to our girl Jenny Thrasher. Uh, I saw I saw that, but uh, Ginny only talks to me on the show. Otherwise, she ignore, ignores me wholeheartedly. Well, man, as she, I, as she pretty much does everybody, apparently. Uh, she's a little bit busy, you know. She's very yeah. much, uh, yeah. She's very much wired into what she's doing there, and she got. She's also support. doing a, a pretty cool thing where she's uh like getting a lot of people on, you know, and doing like Zoom calls and and broadcasting them with Olympic athletes. She had like Katie Ledecky on there the other day, which I thought was pretty cool. Huh. Big, I'm surprised she doesn't offer up a uh, you know for a hundred thousand dollars. I'll blow out a knee of any NBA player you want from over a thousand yards away. <laughs> Some of them she wouldn't even have to shoot them. <laughs> Just stand there and be like, "Hey!" And then hey. Down the... She could distract a guy. I have to admit. Well, anyway, enough. Yeah. Of anyhow, Victor Oladipo turned down a two-year, forty-five point two million dollar contract extension. He said, Houston, you suck. I don't like you. Uh, there's not enough money to make me stay here. I'm out well, here. according to what is being said, the reason why he turned it down was he wanted a long-term, more lucrative deal, which Houston will be able to offer him after this season. And Oladipo, I think, is savvy enough to know he's one knee injury away from maybe having to find a new line of work. Yeah, um, I got to be honest. Anybody crazy enough to give him that kind of money? Uh, that is not a savvy business move, in my opinion. Good on him for getting the money, but or whatever he gets. But, boy, I think I would have taken those two years and been quite happy. Well, again, he believes he's going to get more, and he very well might. Well, he, he may have. They may have already had that discussion and said, hey, look. They may have. They may yeah, have. This you know, may have just been a formality. Yeah, we got to do this for optics, but we'll give you a sweet deal if you hang around. They don't have anybody else. Oh, uh, he's. I think he's going to stick around. I mean, 
obviously they made the trade for him. Um, I think he's. Yeah, I think I he sticks know. around for sure. And they'll pair pair him up with John Wall, and they got Christian Wood there. There, there's a nice foundation in Houston. They're not winning now, but I'm telling you, they get everybody healthy, they get everybody on track. There is a possibility they could make some noise in a few years. I wouldn't mind seeing them win without after flop without hard. That, would that yeah. not be amazing? That would be kind of sweet. I have to admit. Um, yeah, I, I would probably very much enjoy that as well. Um. Let's see another little bit of news. I want to talk about before we? I got a couple of subjects that we're really going to have to dive into. Uh, the Hawks fired their head coach Lloyd Pierce. They were fourteen and twenty, and have had multiple injuries, and a lot of their new guys are hurt. And Lloyd Pierce has been fired. They will be taken over by Nate McMillan, who will be the interim head coach. Uh, he spent time in Portland, Indiana, even in Seattle when they still had the franchise. So, uh, Hawks, a team I picked to really make the playoffs this year and, and to have a nice run and maybe a little disappointing to, to people. I mean, they're 11th in the East right now, uh, three and seven out of their last 10. I mean, granted, not but, out of it by no, any stretch. But I mean, what's going, a, what's going on there? That... Back. That because uh, I read that uh, Nate McMillan didn't want that job. That actually he didn't want it. He didn't want it unless Pierce what Pierce I had to phone. Want, yeah, Pierce had wanted, to give him the okay. Yeah, apparently. and Pierce did. Apparently, Pierce told him, "Yeah, take the job." So apparently, he got it with Pierce's blessing. Which I mean, I don't know, but I get it. I'm always loathe. Like, I'm not going to say that it's a horrific move or anything. I'm just always kind of surprised when, okay, you've got injuries. It's a weird year this year. Um, there's a lot of lot of reasons why a team may not be doing as well, and none of them have anything to do with coaching. Uh, so I'm kind of surprised somebody pulled the trigger halfway through the season. Uh, look what the Wolves did. They, they fired a guy and hired another guy the next day. Or well, not even the, the next day. <laughs> that's like the, that's the 10 minutes thing. later. I just don't know. Again, I, I'm not sure I, I... I mean, we can't know everything that's going on, so we're only armed with a little bit of information. So there could be a perfectly good reason for it, but I'm not sure. I, I don't also don't know Pierce to Nate McMillan. I'm not sure how different that is. Uh, I don't know. We'll wait and see. I mean, McMillan's got a track record of, of having... You know, getting teams to play well, but not being able to kind of get them over that hump in the playoffs. I mean, look at what he did. He was there in Indiana for years. They never seemed to to get over that hump. But then again, uh, we'll see. I guess somebody's got to coach the team, so I guess maybe. Again, he's not the long-term head coach. This is just the interim job. Yeah, he may no, get offered I, the job. He may yeah, not. Who knows? I, I, I kind of sounded like they didn't, that that really was just, okay, we need somebody here for the duration. Yeah, it didn't really sound like they were considering him for down the road, but who knows? Uh, here's one, uh, a little update here. This is kind of a, a minuscule update, but I thought it was interesting. The NBA and the NBA Players Association are planning to eliminate 50 game limits for two way players this season and will allow two way players to actually be eligible for the playoffs as long as the board approves it. So, two way players, which were normally they had a limit on how many games they could actually play. 
are now that's going to be waived and they're going to allow them to be around to play in the playoffs this season, which never been done before. I think it's kind of, kind of cool. They're doing that. You know, the NBA has some very weird rules and that, that to me would be one of them. Yeah, it is strange. I'll agree with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, here's one. I know we both got plenty to talk about. Uh, last week, and this is one I wanted to dive into a little bit here. Let me take a little sip. More tequila. <laughs> Good drink. Nice Arnie Palmer. Um, the, the news, maybe not news, but Kyrie Irving, Mr. You know, Mr. Uh, positivity came <sighs> out and said that he thought the NBA should change the logo from Jerry West to Kobe Bryant. Now, before we get into this, okay? Didn't we get into this last week? I don't believe we really did. We talked uh, about this on the phone. Oh, I thought I thought we talked about it on well, air. Maybe we did a little bit. Oh, right, regardless. I, I don't really recall talking that much about this. Kyrie doubled down on it anyway, so we well, he did double down it. on it. I, yeah, I, again, we if we did talk about, talk about this last week, I apologize. But I honestly do not remember talking. Well, about first, that. first it was that he he wanted it, them to change it, and then his tune became it needs to be Kobe Bryant. Okay. So, well, officially, the NBA has never recognized that the logo is Jerry West. I will say that much. I, I don't recall them ever coming. No, they, out, and they they've have. never officially acknowledged it because you want to know why they've never acknowledged it, Tim. Because if they did, they'd have to pay Jerry West. And they don't want to do that. <laughs> so, I just, uh, and again, it, it came out that the logo was Jerry West, but it's not like, it doesn't have Jerry West's number on it. It's not, you're not supposed to know it's Jerry West. It's just one of those things where you just know. It, does that make it, sense? It does, and it doesn't. Uh, I'm quite sure that anybody who probably, unless you're a very hardcore fan or over the age of 30, probably sees the NBA logo and does not even come close to equating that with one Jerry West. Yeah. It's not one of the, it's not the first thing you think of really. It's kind of like, it could be, but at the same time, it's like, it's not officially, it's just one of those things. Oh, we, we just know. Well, it wouldn't, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's not like, okay, it's a guy uh, going up to slam and, and his tongue sticking out of his mouth. Okay, we know who that is. Yeah. Or, all right, there's a guy with a beard and he's laying on his back. Okay, we know who that is. <laughs> we, know, we know who that, well, we can narrow it down to two guys. Well, we definitely anyway. know who that gentleman may be. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it's not, I don't know. I. I just... I'm not for it, and I'm not against it. I just don't like the reasons. You want to come up with a new NBA logo? Okay, I got no problem with that. I, like, who do we need to consult when we make this thing? Like, who gets a say? You know, the NBA is a business. I think they can pretty much have whatever kind of logo they want, as long as it's not got, you know, probably shouldn't have a swastika on it or anything like that. But, you know, once that's done, I just, I don't know. To me, it's... Mountains out of molehills, but what do I know? Well, I'll say this, and you brought up a good point when we talked off air. You said, you know, hey, 
the low here here's what would have to happen if the NBA did decide to change the logo. First off, every floor in the NBA would have to be redone. Every backboard. Every, every single thing that anything that NBA has the NBA likes, logo on it. Yeah, that anything they that is owned by the NBA. Anything that the, it would you would have to literally change every single jersey in every single building that you know you sell oh, every jersey on every hats basketballs any yeah. type of memorabilia any like you said anything that has a license attached to it absolutely which would be, which would be millions and millions of and items you're looking and you're also looking at changing commercials you're looking at changing graphics you're looking at the undertaking that it would take to change the NBA logo would cost the league millions of dollars that we should, uh, they would recuperate. They would not recuperate that money. We should, we should uh, forward that to uh, Steve and see what the, is there, like, is there any legal ramifications involved in that? What happens to the old one? Can somebody well, start? I would assume that the NBA has trademarked that logo and at the same time, if they decided to change it, they would have to keep paying the copyright or the trademark well, that's that logo. Well, that was the other part. Like he said, well, it should be changed because Kobe is the guy of this generation. And I'm going, oh, all right. Although somebody did make the argument that the player that, that most kids actually look up to, or who they want, I shouldn't say look up to, who they want to be is actually Steph Curry. Now, yes. Because kids like to shoot threes. Yeah. And that's... I mean, it's, it's different. Like, when I was a kid, it was Jordan. You know, kids that are five years younger than me, it was Kobe. Kids that are five years younger than them, it's LeBron. Okay, how, five how, how about them, this? LeBron, but... what, if, what if they changed the logo and they, and they leave Jerry West and they put another silhouette on the logo? What about that? Does that make everybody I'm, happy? I don't know. Again... Or does it look From dumb? a business standpoint, it doesn't make sense. I don't think anybody... Kyrie Irving is the only guy I've heard clamoring that the NBA logo should be changed. I haven't really heard much in any other circles. I've heard some people mention it. I've heard, I've, I've heard it kind of get brought up. Um, again, Kyrie goes after the race thing. I'm not going there. Um, I, to me... It, it, if you're good at basketball, you're good at basketball. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and if it's if it's purely a let's honor Kobe Bryant thing, not against that in any way, shape, Here, or form. Oh no, no I would love to honor Kobe Bryant. Here was my other, idea. Yeah, you're you're you floated that idea, and that's a good one. And there's some other things they could easily do that. Because you had an idea. This was my idea. I believe that we should change the name of the McDonald's All American Award for high school basketball players to the Kobe Bryant McDonald's high school all-american awards to honor your uh your high school players uh instead of just yeah, being oh he's but, a mcdonald's all-american yeah high that's school, he be, he's a, a kobe bryant mcdonald's all-star it's a great idea except that doesn't involve the nba well again the that nba be, well, but that would be mcdonald's is going to have to give that up though not the nba no, right? mcdonald's would still would still be the sponsor like okay, they but still... they would have to be on board with it the nba just can't tell mcdonald's all-american game that they gotta they no. gotta do this is what i'm saying um i'm not against that move however and I'm, in fact i'm kind of surprised it hadn't happened long before to be honest the reason why i go that route um 
is I look at it this way. Kobe Bryant, probably the most famous player to come out of high school and go straight to the NBA. I mean, you can argue Garnett, LeBron. Kobe was the guy that kind of made it fashionable. Well, and the thing the thing about that, too, is regardless of what happens in basketball going forward, uh, whether the game changes, whether, you know, whatever might happen in the next 50 years, that fact is never going to change. Yeah. That's always going to be a, a, a constant thing. So I can't understand why anybody would be like, why not? Shit, name a division after him. There's all kinds of things you could do. Yeah. I mean, there's always a way to honor somebody. And, I, and I'm not saying, like, if the NBA gets behind it and, tra- and decides, hey, okay, let's update the logo. Let's change the logo. I'm not going to be mad. I don't care. If they want to do that, that's their choice. That's kind of their prerogative. They they have that ability to say, yeah, we, we I, definitely want to do this. I highly doubt that the NBA will do anything unless somebody can give them some financial motivation to do so. And they have none to change the logo. Absolutely zero. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening either. But again, hey, crazier things have happened. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly would love to see the McDonald's All-American game kind of honor Kobe Bryant just for him being the, the most famous, in my opinion, McDonald's All-American. I'm just thinking, like, off the top of my head, uh, you can put his number damn near anywhere you want. You could put his jersey just about anywhere you want. You could put his name on the basketballs. You could put his face or his jersey on every court in the well, league. Well, the Elam ending in the All-Star game is after him and his daughter. Yeah, I mean, they there's a million year. things that you could do that I really think people would notice a lot more than the NBA logo, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. You know, you, I mean, you see the logo, but who really stopped? I mean, do you really stop to think, hey, there's, there's Jerry West on the NBA logo? I you, never do. No, I just, you, know, like, you oh, don't. Yeah. You don't. So you might think, okay, oh, hey, there's Kobe on the NBA logo. But two years from now, nobody will be thinking that because you'll just well, get used to looking at in it. In my you... opinion, what will happen is if they ever do change the logo, they will not have a player on the logo. There will be no silhouette. It will just be like the NFL or the NHL. Right. But, but if they do that, then that, at least as far as Kyrie's concerned, that's not the change he wants to see. Well, he wants to see Kobe on that logo somehow. Well, I'll say this, and this is a famous saying from, you know, a lot of people that I grew up with. You can shit in one hand and want in the other and see which one fills up fastest. So, well, that's a <laughs> never visual, heard, that's never a heard that before. I didn't really require that. Must be some backwoods saying. Yeah, it's a West Virginia thing. Shit in one hand and wish in the other and see which one fills yeah. up. Um. All right. Well, let's let's uh, segue over to something else. Yeah, let's do that. All right, well, let's shift some gears here, as you said. Let's go over to the wacky world of the NFL. Big move that happened this week. J.J. Watt is now with the Arizona Cardinals. What do you think about that? I don't know. I'm a little (laughs) bit... You sound like everybody. We're all like... uh... I watched some stuff this morning. And it seemed to be there's kind of two prevailing camps. One is that he actually believes the Arizona Cardinals are a Super Bowl contender, which I quite firmly disagree. They're better. They're a playoff team, probably, with him. Don't think they're I don't think JJ Watt pushes the 
Arizona Cardinals to the Super Bowl, however. I think that's a bit of a reach. Uh, and then the other prevailing camp is that money. 100%. <laughs> well, he got more money there than he would have from just about anybody else, and they guaranteed a great big pile of it. So, yeah, I, I just – five years ago, this would have been a huge thing to me. Now, I don't know if it's – Yeah, $31 million, $23 million guaranteed. Um, uh, I mean, could, can, could he re – could he find his form of old? Possibly. But that's an Maybe. awfully that's an awfully big risk to take for that amount of money, um, especially when you're well, going to have to pay think, him twenty three million regardless, of whether he sucks or not. I don't know. Well, apparently, uh, the Cardinals have unretired the number ninety nine. I mean, they've already got, they've already got a really good pass rusher. They didn't really. Now they have, need, now they they have really, two. Okay, but if you're going to spend thirty-one million dollars, and you're the Arizona Cardinals, is it on a you know, do you spend it on a a defensive guy, or do you perhaps maybe want to spend that money somewhere else? The food for thought. Yeah, I mean, it's worth thinking about. Yeah, food for thought. I mean, I guess, I mean, I suppose for Arizona, I guess it's a splash. It got them in the, you know, it got them in the news. Uh, It might sell some tickets, maybe. I can't rule that out, but, I mean, in the same breath, I can't blame J.J. Watt for wanting to get the hell out of Texas, because, good Lord, guys are jumping off that thing faster than people jumped off the Titanic, and that's saying something. Yeah, I mean, the Texans have become uh, the new Browns in a way. It's really kind of laughable what's going on there. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins had a lot to do with this, this signing. I mean, he's there, he's familiar with J.J. Watt. He obviously sold him on it. Um, A lot of people thought Watt would maybe go up to Green Bay. Some people even speculated that Watt could replace uh, Shaq Barrett in Tampa. Uh, I did not want that. So there was some brief talk but... about him going and playing in Pittsburgh briefly. Yeah, uh, yeah, because that's where both of his brothers play. His brothers are there, but I don't. Again, there I was don't also think... talk of Cleveland. I heard the Cleveland I Browns. This, I don't think the Steelers had thirty-one million dollars, though. Uh, I know they didn't. Uh... So, <laughs> I mean, again, I don't blame anybody for taking the money. I mean, good on him. If somebody was dumb enough or crazy enough or willing even to give him that kind of money and then guarantee two thirds of it. Well, the Arizona Cardinals weren't that bad last year. They weren't that good either. And they were eight and eight. I mean, yeah, I did see somebody post when Watt signed there. If you didn't love us at eight and eight, don't love us at eight, seven and one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, again, was there a problem? And I didn't see a lot of the Arizona Cardinals. I didn't really either. I mean, I know I mean, one of the games there, they beat the Bills was the Hell Murray. I remember I mean, that. Was there was their problem that they gave up too many points? I mean, there's, a way, it, we, well, there's a way we can find this out. I mean, they gave up less points than the Seattle Seahawks. They gave up less points than a lot of teams. So, 
from what I'm looking at here quickly. They were a plus 43 in differential, which isn't great, but it's not bad. They were a lot better than a lot of teams on defense, so I'm not well, sure and that's that a, that's... that's a rough division, too. That's arguably one of the better divisions in football. I mean, granted, I don't know what's going on in Seattle and, you know, the Rams and the Rams, and a lot of people say the 49ers well, are going to the division. I mean, what did you think of that crazy story of Russell Wilson saying, oh, I, 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 I think about going to the Bears. That's and sad. I'm like, and I'm like, Russell. <laughs> well, so, as, uh, That's rough, whatever. ladies and gentlemen. I can't remember who said it, but they said if Russell Wilson went to the Bears, he automatically becomes the best quarterback in Bears history without even throwing a pass. <laughs> he does. He's the best quarterback <laughs> in Bears history. He don't even have to put on a helmet. He doesn't even have to play for him. If they just signed him, he's the greatest quarterback they've ever had. Oh, that's great. Uh, like somebody said, he said, Russell, have you watched the Bears play? Like, no offense to the Bears, but have you watched them play? I don't think you want to be the quarterback for the Bears. If you're running playing for Seattle, you're really going to find out what running's like, and it's a lot colder in Chicago. It rains in Seattle, but it snows in Chicago. Sorry, Ed, but... <laughs> got to throw them under when I got to throw them under. Well, it would be interesting to see that for sure. But yeah, that's the big, really the biggest news out of the NFL. Not a lot going on. Well, and then the, today, the Dolphins did something weird. Um, what they did released, they, do? I mean, the... they released Van Noy for some reason, and everybody huh. was, and everybody was kind of going, "Why? Like, what's he was surprised apparently." Uh, something about the uh, cap problems. But then everybody's going, well, if he, he's only been there for a season, so... It seems like they're make, trying to make a move. They're going to make a move after a quarterback, I think. Well, or do they have to pay the one they have at some point? Well, they got Tua. He's on a rookie deal, so I don't know. Well, they don't tease all they got to do Fitzy. They just got to give him Manscaped, and he's happy. <laughs> give him a new, uh, a new gold chain, and he'll be fine. Tell Fitzy, look, Fitzy, we're going to let you throw 742 attempts a day. Is that okay? We're not going to pay you, though. That's good. That's fine. Yeah. Can I still have a gold chain and a nice jacket? Sure. All right, we're good. Yeah, we'll, let you wear, we'll let you wear a team jersey. Can you remind everybody I went to Harvard? <laughs> we're going to have to because we don't really want to bring up your stats. <laughs> I love Fitz Magic, man. I can't help. Oh, him. I, I love gotta... him. I love him too. Say what you want about. I like him. I'm a fan. Hey, tell you what, he is. I would love to have his spirit. That the, as much oh, as absolutely. that guy has been bashed around and, and dumped on by every sports guy in the universe, and he still goes out there. And, and I tell you, he has games where he is a freaking pro bowler. And yeah, then, he does. So, so say what you want about him, but. He does have moments of brilliance followed by moments of Jemias Winston. It's kind of, amen. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you what. Let's take a quick timeout. We're going to hear from our good friend Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. And then we're going to come back and you'll hear my conversation with the great Trevor Lane as we talk Los Angeles Lakers. Do you and any relation to Clubber Lane? Not that I know of. That'd be pretty cool. Hey, woman. Hey, hey, hey. woman. 
<laughs> but man, I knew exactly what you were talking about. Oh, man. Uh, hey, woman. Hey, hey, woman. Would you come here with the real man? Like Clubber Lane. I predict pain. <laughs> you going down. No way. <laughs> we hear from Trevor Lane, and then on the other side, we'll talk to David Brandon. We're going to talk Oklahoma City Thunder. Deep dive into the team, and that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. Tim and I will be back with a unsolved mystery. I want to sing Garth Brooks right now. Thunder Road. Good Lord. It's Thunder Rolled. Oh, not well. Thunder Road. I'm a hillbilly. It's I got to talk, talk to you about freaking country music. All right. We'll be yeah. back right after this. Back with us on Wide Men Can't Jump is a senior writer for Lakers Nation and host of the Lakers Nation podcast. It is Trevor Lane. Trevor, thank you so much again for jumping back on to talk a little Lakers basketball. Hey, no problem. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's always good to have you on and uh, good to have some expert knowledge. And if you don't follow Trevor, you should. He does some great lives, uh, usually after every Laker game, correct? Yeah, we do the uh, the Lakers Nation live post game show after every single game. We go live on uh, on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel uh, right after the game. We get going and then we take questions and comments directly from all the fans. We give out prizes. It's uh, it's a blast. Yeah, and and celebrity guests as well. I mean, we have a lot of wrestling fans here that listen to this show. Chris Masters is a regular guest on the show. I've seen him on there before, so that's really cool. And uh, definitely, if you're a Laker fan or even if you're just a basketball fan, it's worth checking out for sure. Yeah, Chris is uh, Chris is great. He does an awesome job. He comes on just about whenever he can. He's on the East Coast right now, but he's going to be heading back over to the West Coast soon. So that's going to allow him to come on even more because then it won't be you know one in the morning when we finish these uh, these earlier or a later start time games. So I'm excited yeah. to have him even more involved. But yeah, the, the post game show is a ton of fun. Definitely encourage anybody out there to to come check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's dive into. The Los Angeles Lakers, 24 and 11 is the record right now. Number two in the West, um, you know, we're struggling a little bit, but now I've put a couple wins together. Um, what it, is just the missing of Anthony Davis? Was that really the, the, the biggest issue with the Lakers? The loot? They lost like what, four, four out of five or something like that. Yeah, so they they lost four games in a row. I want to say that it was and it was five out of six. Um, yeah, they did beat my Wolves in that stretch. So right, they got they got the win there. But um, the biggest thing actually was and Anthony don't get me wrong, Anthony Davis is the biggest loss. There's no question there. But yeah. it losing Dennis Schroeder is what really compounded things, and then getting him back. I, it's not coincidence that the Lakers got him back two games ago and they've won two games. Uh, it's a it's a matter of skill set. See what was happening in those four games that they that they lost in a row was LeBron James essentially had to do everything uh, as far as setting other guys up because skill set wise the other guys on the floor with the exception of occasionally Taylor Horton Tucker they can't really create their own looks. The guys on the team that can create their own looks are LeBron, Schroeder, and Anthony Davis, and so you're missing two of those guys for that stretch. And it's a night and day difference when you've got Schroeder out, you've got back in, you've got another guy who can attack off the dribble, can put pressure on the defense, getting to the rim, collapse them at the very least kick out to open shooters. Otherwise, you've got a lot of guys standing around waiting for the ball, hoping that they can get it in an advantageous situation. But their their bread and butter is not creating anything. So with LeBron left as the only creator on the team and a bunch of basically standstill shooters that really stagnated the offense. 
And then Schroeder's defense has been critical. He's kind of been this season's Avery Bradley in terms of the guy whose energy is infectious. And so we've seen since he came back an uptick in the defensive effort from everybody, uh, not just Schroeder's own effort out there, but then also that extra dynamic in the offenses in terms of having a guy who can get into the paint, both when LeBron is on and off the floor. And that has been a night and day difference as well. So yes, Anthony Davis is the biggest blow losing him. But Schroeder, I think, mattered more than people realized. Yeah. Uh, Schroeder's always been a guy I think that's been vastly underrated. And I, I think we're finally starting to see how important he can be to a team. Um, Anthony Davis, I do want to talk about him because he's, you know, you mentioned he's the biggest loss. Any update on when we should expect Anthony Davis back and how critical is this injury uh, with him? Because Anthony Davis seems like he gets injured every other year. And this is just another one to add on to that list. Yeah, I mean, look, last season, Lakers fans spent the entire season just, just holding our breath every single time he hit the floor. because, And it, when it was multiple times a night, it seemed like he went crashing to the floor. This season, it hasn't been as bad. He's been kind of holding back a little bit, and uh, and that might just be ramping himself up. Uh, but, yeah, four weeks is still what we're looking at total for the injury. So we're mm-hmm. probably talking about a week, maybe a little bit more after the All-Star break, which the Lakers are actually a little bit fortunate that the All-Star break is coming up here because that's time that AD gets to heal and not miss games during that during that period. Uh, but the injury is a calf strain. He also has Achilles tendinosis. Uh, they thought he was good. They thought he was all fine there. He was 100% pain-free right before suffering the either injury or re-injury, however we want to look at it, uh, against the Denver Nuggets. Uh, he was looking good, felt good. Medical staff said he's good. And then it took one play where he got a little bump from Nikola Jokic, stepped a little funny, and that was enough to add a calf strain into the, the tendinosis that he was already dealing with. So the Lakers are going to be very, very cautious. And that's why the initial report was two to three weeks. And then the Lakers said, nah, we're going to give it four. So they want to make sure that he's truly 100% before putting him back out on the floor. And that's going to include some time to ramp things back up and practice. Even when the injury is fully healed, they want him to have an opportunity to get his legs under him and reduce the risk for any type of recurrence as, as much as they possibly can. So that's what we're still looking, looking at for him. Probably a week, maybe a little bit more after the all-star break, we should see him back out there. Yeah. I don't blame him there with a guy with the history of injuries. You definitely don't want to overdo it. And, Mm -hmm. Honestly, him missing the all-star game is probably a blessing as well because a lot of the league doesn't want to play anyway. So uh, I think this is a a good thing for the Lakers to extend that and let Davis heal up because, I mean, 22.5 points per game, 8.5 rebounds, that's really not replaceable with just one player. That takes a a team to replace that. So I think Davis Davis will be back and be, be fine. Well, we got to talk about the man himself, LeBron James, who has stepped up big time in the absence of Anthony Davis. 25 and a half per game, uh, scoring eight rebounds, eight assists, just really just putting up numbers that I don't want to say it, but no man his age should be putting up. He's just absolutely killing it right now. And LeBron just, is this just LeBron being LeBron, or do you feel like he wants a lighter load than what he's been getting with Davis out? I mean, I think ideally in terms of winning another championship, you don't want LeBron taking on this much of a burden the entire season. And yeah. that's why, you know, Lakers fans. So last night the Lakers took on the Warriors and they got a blowout win. And I think the part that Lakers fans were, I, mean, I don't want to say most excited about because they were excited to win, but there were a lot of people 
that were celebrating the fact that LeBron only played 24 minutes on the night because it was his lowest minute total of the season. They We want to see LeBron play less, have less of a burden on him because you want him to be fresh for the playoffs. That's what's going to matter. That's what ultimately this team is going to be judged on. It's going to be, do they have success in the playoffs? Do they defend their championship? It's not going to be, do they win a bunch of games in February? That's that's not ultimately what's going to determine whether or not this was a successful season. So for LeBron, yes, we would like to see him take on a little bit less of a burden, but for the time being, he kind of had to step up with Anthony Davis out. And the hope is that once AD gets back, you can kind of reel back LeBron's minutes a bit because he had been playing the fewest minutes of his career. Uh, the Lakers have been doing a good job managing those minutes, but now he's been asked to take on a bigger role. And then we had a bunch of overtime games here in, in February. We've had a, a number of overtime games that they played. In fact, there were three overtime games in a row, then another one against the Washington Wizards. LeBron logged a lot of mileage. So uh, yeah, the, the hope is that as amazing as he is, and as talented as he is and how unbelievable it he, he is that he's still doing this at 36 years old, uh, there's still the reality that he probably does need to wind it down a little bit, pare back just a little bit in terms of what he's putting out there on the court at the moment so that he can do more come playoff time. Yeah, and with the playoffs from last year being in the bubble and they go on that, that run and win the championship and now this year it's going to be a little different as we're getting back to more of some normalcy. Um, traveling obviously is going to take its toll as well uh, on these players. And you know LeBron again. I'm not saying LeBron's old because he's not. You know he's just a little bit older than me. But it's the mileage, if you can put it that way. He's got a lot of miles on those legs. Uh, like he hasn't missed the playoffs. He's only missed the playoffs like twice in his entire career, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it's ridiculous what he can do. You know and still keep up this high level of pressure. Um, you know, you mentioned that Warriors game last night, the blowout win. This is something I'm, I've been asking everybody that's been on the show after the comments were made. Steph Curry came out and said, we still are get, people want to beat us and beat us bad because they remember how bad we beat them years ago. I feel like that's true, especially of the Lakers before they got LeBron and Steph and Clay were kind of the dominant team out in California. No, I mean, no? Not, okay. <laughs> not, not from, not from the Lakers perspective. Anyway, I can say uh, last night there was a sense where the Lakers wanted to beat the Warriors because they felt they owed them from earlier in the season where yeah. the Lakers were up big in a game. The Warriors came back and got a win. And so I think that was a factor where the Lakers wanted to beat them, but I don't really get that, that sense. But then again, you know, the Lakers are also the team where, you know, the, the Blazers, see the Lakers as their biggest rival and, and mm -hmm. Lakers fans don't see the Blazers as a, as a, you know, it's not like a, a reciprocal thing there. Like there's no real hatred towards the Portland trail Blazers right now, whereas a lot of Blazers fans hate the Lakers and, and Sacramento Kings and Phoenix Suns and on and on and on. Um, so the, the, the King, the Kings I can see from the, the late two thousands, I can exactly kind of that, but, or the, the early two thousands, but like the Blazers, when I think Lakers rivalry, I think Celtics. Yeah. And that's, and that's where I'm at too. And a lot of, you know, and there's more Lakers fans now that are, that have animosity certainly towards the Clippers. But so those are the two teams right now. It's the Celtics and the Clippers that Lakers fans really get riled up about. And, and the Lakers will, you know, get up to go play. I don't feel like because the Lakers were down while the Warriors were good, 
Now, if the Lakers had been right there, like 1A, 1B with the Warriors, and the Warriors knocked the Lakers out of the playoffs a bunch of years in a row, yeah, it would be a different story. But the Lakers were in their rebuilding phase when the Warriors were, you know, at their the peak of their powers. And so there was there was never quite as much, you know, Golden State Warrior animosity as you would have, you know, anticipated from from uh, Lakers fans. Yeah, I, I didn't get that either. I'm like, well, maybe a little bit, but my God, like it wasn't like you won every game ever for 10 years, you know? Yeah. I don't know. That, that's just my personal opinion. I, I can see it maybe a little bit, but not from a Lakers standpoint. Uh, I agree with you there. Uh, besides, the Lakers have always got a target on them, it feels like, just because they are the Lakers. It, it seems like everybody just wants to play harder and, and win bigger against the Lakers. Kyle Kuzma, 11.5 points per game, 6 rebounds. Uh, would you say that Kyle Kuzma is doing exactly what he needs to do this season, or do you think he needs a bigger role on this team? No, he's been fantastic. I've loved what we've seen out of Kyle Kuzma this season. I've been calling him the chameleon because every single season he's asked to change his role and he has to adapt to whatever that that role is. And so far this season, I think we've seen the best version of Kyle Kuzma that we've seen, even though if you look at his at his counting stats and you see, oh, wait, he's scoring the, the fewest amount of points of his career. What's going on? This is a terrible season. Now, you look at what he's doing on the boards and defensively. Um, it, it's really impressive because he came in, he came into this league. What, now he's on his fourth season. Mm-hmm. When he came into the league, he was pretty much just a scorer. And if he wasn't scoring the basketball, he wasn't very useful out on the floor. That was pretty much what he did. And even last season, we went in thinking, okay, Kuzma's going to be the microwave scorer off the bench. That's going to be his role. LeBron comes out, Kuzma comes in, starts scoring the ball. And it didn't really work out. It was a bit of an awkward fit. This is the first season where I can feel like Kuzma actually has found something that really fits him perfectly. Um, as, As versatile as he is and as able to adapt as he is, he looked at the team this season and he looked at, he said, look, we've got Montrez Harrell. We've got Dennis Schroeder. We've got LeBron James. We've got Anthony Davis. Scoring is not a problem. The Lakers don't need me to score 20 points a night in order, in order to win games. That's not what has to happen. So instead he's been focusing on hitting the glass and he's been focusing on his defense and it's worked out great, especially because the Lakers have been using him more as a three than a four this season. And so that's allowed him to come flying in rather than worry about getting boxed out or anything like that. He's going up against guys that are a little bit smaller and are on the perimeter. And so he's having an easier time sneaking in and then grabbing offensive boards. Uh, so he's been tremendous in that role. I've loved what we've seen, seen from him defensively as well. His defense has steadily improved. He was a bad defender coming in. Now I can say he's at least an average defender at this point he's making steady and consistent improvement there so even though he's not scoring the basketball as much he's more efficient as a player and he's more impactful he doesn't have to score the ball in order to make a difference in the game and for this lakers team that's what they need because they already have so many scorers so i've been very pleased with what we've seen from kuzma this season yeah and if you can get any if anybody can get better at defense in the nba that's definitely a positive because there's it's not as much focus on it, and I, it's great to see Kuzma improving. You brought up Montrez Harrell. Mm-hmm. I thought the best signing of the offseason at first. I mean, Schroeder's obviously panned out to be a pretty good signing. I, I was a big fan of Harrell with the Clippers. He comes and, and comes to the Lakers. 14 points per game. I'm rounding up a little bit. Six and a half rebounds. Kuz, or, uh, not Kuzma. Harrell, just a, just a nice piece. He always plays that six-man role. How's he fitting in with the Lakers compared to the Clippers? Is this a better fit for him? Obviously, he, he's doing well for them. What's your thoughts on Montrez Harrell? 
It's a different fit, certainly. I mean, he's being used less as the role man in pick and roll. I mean, we saw with the Clippers where it was Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell pick and roll over and over and over again, and Trez was getting the ball back pretty frequently. Uh, he's not getting that quite as much uh, in, in pick and roll situations. However, what we're seeing out of him is more versatility. His game's expanded a bit. The Clippers wanted him pretty much just rolling to the basket. And Trez, if you're two feet away from the rim, you can shoot it. Otherwise, don't shoot it. We don't want you shooting the ball anywhere else. And the Lakers have said, well, you know what? We're going to trust you. We believe you can make the 15-foot jumper. It might look a little awkward at times, but we believe you can hit that shot consistently. And so they've given him the green light. Said, look, go ahead and take that 15-footer because if you knock it down at at least a league average uh, pace, then you're going to pull defenders out. And you're going to create even more driving opportunities because that's another talent that he's got. He's very good at beating other bigs off of the dribble and taking them to the basket. It's 6'7". He's got to be. He's got to be a little bit quicker than the guys that are that are defending him, the true big centers. And so we're seeing a little bit more uh, to his offensive game. He's definitely expanded things. And I've grown in terms of my appreciation for his offensive game. He was sort of a just sort of blunt force instrument with the Clippers where they wanted to roll into the basket, catch it, dunk it. That's it. And with the Lakers, he's been allowed to show off his offensive repertoire a little bit more. Now, don't get me wrong. He's not like Hakeem Olajuwon or anything like that out there, yeah. but he's got a nice soft, soft touch around the rim. Uh, he's got the ability to beat guys off the dribble defensively. I think he's had a much better understanding as the season has gone on in terms of Frank Vogel's system, where he needs to be, where his rotations are, what his responsibilities are in pick and roll coverage. So he has been, I knew he was good coming in, but I've, I, I've been really impressed with how he's adapted to the system as the season's gone on. And I feel like he's just getting better and better all the time. Yeah. Let's talk about everybody's favorite Laker, I think. Alex Caruso. Everybody <laughs> loves Caruso. Yep. Um, tell, tell me, like, if you don't watch Laker games, you probably don't know what this guy really brings to the table because it's not like yeah. he's getting the the highlights on, on SportsCenter. Uh, explain what Alex Caruso's role is with the team, and maybe we call it Caruso mania. This guy has become everybody's favorite Laker all of a sudden. Yeah, so Alex Caruso first became a fan favorite with Lakers fans way back in the Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma summer league year. And I think that was, what, 2016? Yeah. Something like that. that. He became, that was, uh, he became the Lakers first two-way contract ever. Lonzo was out for a summer league game. Caruso steps into the starting lineup. He had played the previous season with the Oklahoma City G League team. And, um, and so he steps into the starting lineup and he goes up against De'Aaron Fox, who was, you know, the number five pick in the draft at that point. And, uh, and the Lakers win. And so Caruso get, gains this like kind of cult status then. It's been slowly building since that, that moment. Uh, but what he's essentially become is a very, very, very good defensive guard in the NBA to the point where he's a better defender than Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, he's, he's able to, uh, slide into that two guard spot off of the bench and the Lakers will often close games with him because he's got a real synergy with LeBron James. He's the guy that is always going to put himself in the right spot at the right time and just make winning basketball plays. And it doesn't always show up in the box score, except more often than not, he leads the team in plus minus, which is crazy given they've got LeBron and Anthony Davis and all these other pieces. But most nights, you go look at the Lakers box score and the leader in plus minus is Alex Caruso. He's a very, very good positional defender. But like I said, he's not a guy who blocks a bunch of shots. He's not a guy who grabs a bunch of rebounds or gets a bunch of steals. So you look at his stat line and you think, oh, 
what, what, what's the deal with this guy? He's not that good. His brilliance doesn't show up on a traditional box score, and it's uh, it's because of just how good he is fundamentally with his defense, his ability to space the floor on the offense, and then just make the right winning basketball plays. And that has certainly endeared himself to uh, to Lakers fans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, again, he's uh, he's he's definitely one of those guys who it, it's really been a, a groundswell of support from from Laker fans, especially, but even other people outside of the league or outside of Lakers bubble there. Um, a couple more questions and I'll let you go. This one I asked all my guests, uh, because I like getting deep into the roster here that we don't have time to dive into every single player, but who's maybe the unsung hero of this Lakers team? Who's, who's a player that, you know, not LeBron or Davis or the superstars, but who's a player that we don't talk about enough that should get more love than what they get. And it really makes a difference on this Lakers team that nobody really talks about. You know, there's a there's a number of guys that we could look at. I mean, early in the season, it certainly would have been Contavious Caldwell Pope, but things have certainly uh, fallen off for him. Uh, Jared Dudley does a lot behind the scenes in terms of making sure everybody is on the same page, making sure that all the guys know exactly where they're supposed to be. His impact, while you don't see him on the court, his impact is actually pretty pretty big with the organization from everyone that I've spoken to. They've all been really impressed with him. Uh, Markeith Morris had a great game against the, the Warriors, but he's been a little hit and miss lately. You know, I, I have a hard time saying this one cause it, it's, it's Marcus all, but right now he is persona non grata <laughs> among mm-hmm. Lakers fans. Like he is, is not anyone's favorite Laker right now. People are yeah. very upset with him. He's definitely and not he, pal. If that makes that, any sense. <laughs> that, well, yeah, he's not pal, but the bigger thing is he's not Dwight. That's what mm-hmm. it, he's not Dwight Howard and he's the exact opposite of Dwight Howard. And so that's where a lot of Lakers fans, when he has a bad game, we hear a lot of fans saying, Oh, they should have kept Dwight. Right. And more often than not, Mark doesn't look good with what he's doing. Um, and I, and that doesn't mean he's not effective. Like physically, it doesn't look pretty, right? I mean, he's just, he's kind of lumbering and slow and it doesn't get off the ground. He, he's not going to produce a bunch of highlight reels or anything like that. But I think his intelligence on the floor does make a difference. He probably deserves more credit than he's getting. Uh, defensive metrics still look pretty good for him. No, he doesn't come flying in and send a shot into the fifth row like Dwight Howard would. Um, occasionally, he doesn't look good shooting the ball from three. He can look hesitant there, but his passing matters. I'm not saying he's a great player at this point. Uh, he's definitely on the downward slope of his career. Who knows if he's even going to play next season? But I think he should get a little bit more credit. I don't think he's this guy that needs to be, you know, just sat on the bench and removed from the rotation like some fans think because they see him out there. And sometimes it's hard to reconcile that he's making an impact, even though it doesn't necessarily look pretty. Okay. Well, Trevor, I do want to thank you so much for jumping on here and talking with us and breaking down the Lakers. And I feel like we could talk Lakers all day, but I know you're a busy man like me. So I'll let you go after that one. But uh, let our listeners know again where they can find you, like any writing, any work, anything you do. Uh, this is your chance. Plug away. Let them know. Sure, yeah. You can find me on social media at Trevor underscore Lane on Twitter, at Trevor Lane NBA on Instagram and Facebook. You guys can make sure you check out LakersNation.com for all your latest Lakers news. And I do most of my work on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel where I do uh, Lakers videos every single day. Just did one, one today updating everybody on Damian Jones and his injury and what that means moving forward for the Lakers, whether or not they're going to keep him long term. So content like that coming out all the time on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. So you guys can check that out and don't forget to subscribe as well. Yeah, subscribe and turn on the bell so you're notified. That's right. Always. That's right.
Always. And uh, Trevor Lane, officially the second man to break the Master Lock Challenge. So congratulations on that <laughs> one as well, Trevor. No, I'm kidding. But uh, thanks again, as always, for coming on. We really do appreciate your time and your expertise. And we hope to have you back uh, real soon. We'll talk more Lakers. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. Thank you. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, social security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Are you tired of the same old average everyday lifestyle and the same old job that has you making less money than what you know you're worth? Well, you should head on over to stripcamfun.com. On StripCamFun, there are tons of eligible men and women waiting to perform for you, and you can join in on the fun yourself. Just head on over at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on cam and have some fun. If you get there right now, you'll get to see some of the most beautiful women, men, and whatever else your heart desires, and you can take advantage of the good times being had on StripCamFun.com. Make sure you get there right now and let them know that Wide Men Can't Jump brought you over. Because StripCamFun.com is not just for everyone. Must be 18 years of older to join in on the good times. StripCamFun, be sure to visit right now. at StripCamFun.com where you can strip on camp and have some fun. Back again on Wide Men Can't Jump is a Daily Thunder writer. PR marketing freelancer and a proud Oklahoma native, David Brandon. David, thank you so much for jumping on the show to talk a little Oklahoma City Thunder with us. You're welcome. Great to be back. Always good to have you. And uh, let's go ahead and look at the Thunder right now. 14 and 20, 12th in the Western Conference. Uh, started out surprising a little bit, I think, but I think they've kind of settled into what most expected out of them. Would you agree with me on that? Yeah, I tend to agree. And honestly, like talking with some of the people who dig into the numbers a little more than I, than I do, um, that's kind of to be expected. They didn't have a lot of lineups that performed very well uh, overall. Like their, mar- their margin of victory, their margins of losses and victories have been fairly narrow. But like basically their luck was bound to catch up with them uh, when you looked at kind of the numbers side of it. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that... No- <laughs> They basically blew it up, and he's like, "Okay, we're not gonna, we're gonna start trading, acquiring uh, draft picks, and just basically we're gonna rebuild this thing from scratch." They still got some great pieces here. Uh, I mean, they got they took on some expiring contracts. Um, I think this is a Thunder team that's built for the future, and nobody uh, can argue that the future of this team would probably be Shea Gilgis Alexander. Um, he is absolutely playing phenomenal. He's averaging 23 points a game with five rebounds and six assists. What about this guy just screams, this is the future of not only 
just the Thunder, but maybe even of the NBA, but yet nobody's talking about him, and I think that's a shame. Well, I think for Shea, part of it is he has really good positional size. I mean, you remember that from last year. There was that three-point guard lineup, um, and they were only really able to do that because um, Shea can play a little bit bigger position than he plays. Like, you know, we say he's a point guard, but he's, you know, six foot six. That means a lot of times he can defend guys who are, you know, up to small forward um, pretty competently. I mean, he's he's not like big, um, but he's long enough to do it. Uh, and that allowed them to unlock some things. And then, I mean, I, I think size is a big thing for him just because he's so fluid um, that he's able to snake around guys. Um and he's been better at like finding angles to attack, getting guys on his hip and just attacking those little small windows where he can get a shot off, but a smaller point guard couldn't uh, this year. He's not like a fantastic passer, but he's a good passer as well. I mean, I think having other complimentary ball handers next to him will help. But I mean, you remember Russ Westbrook wasn't a great passer when he started either uh, and got better as time went on. So yeah, I, he's he is a modern NBA player in every sense, in terms of positional size, in terms of fluidity, in terms of scoring ability, um, even just the intangibles he brings to the table. He's a, he's a great player. He's the next one up for Oklahoma City, which I wasn't sure of before the season. Like, I knew he was good, but he's this good. Yeah, and he was the guy, I think, the main vocal point of that trade that sent Paul George to the Clippers and uh, brought him back to Oklahoma City to give them something to kind of build around. And he's fantastic. I, I've always I've always liked his game. Even when he was in Los Angeles, I was a big fan. A couple veteran players on the team. We'll start with Al Horford here. who kind of came over as like, I, I feel like it was just like, hey, here's Al Horford. Nobody wants him because of the contract. Oklahoma City said, we'll take some veteran leadership, please, and thank you. Um, he's playing pretty well. 14.2 points per game. Rebounding is around about what his career average would be at about seven. Uh, he's just kind of got that intangible, you know, you're not going to see it on the stat sheet so much, but Horford's just been a solid player from what I've seen so far this season with Thunder. What, what say you as a guy who follows him a little closer than I do? Oh, he definitely has been. I mean, uh, he's he's lost a step. He's not as quick as he was when he was younger. Um, he's he's probably a little overpaid for his production. I mean, he is a little overpaid for his production. That's why they got him in the first place. He was yeah. salary he was salary ballast to get assets. But he's he's a player that you could slot onto a lot of teams, uh, and he'd be a a difference maker. You want you'd want him as like a fourth or fifth starter, maybe a third, um, probably a fourth or fifth. Uh, but he's just, yeah, like you said, he's got those intangibles. He's a good passer. He's a good shooter. He's a good like he just does a lot of things at an above average level. Um, and you know, I think when he's an expiring contract, uh, which I believe is next year, um, yeah, my memory serves. I believe, me I believe you're right on that. Um, he may have a little more value uh, just because, you know, like a team that has a bad contract, which there aren't a lot anymore. There's not a lot of like real bad contracts, but if there is a team, a contending team that has a bad contract, you know, they could flip him for Horford and then, 
you know, open up that salary slot the next year and still have a very productive player in the meantime. Um, Horford's contract, it doesn't become expiring until the 2022-2023 season, but it's $26.5 million, and it's not fully guaranteed either. Right, that's that's right. So the, the last year is half guaranteed, basically. I think it's around 14 Yeah, mil. I don't have my sheet in front of me, but that sounds right. Yeah, so Horford there um, will become an expiring deal in a couple of years, but even half that for him would be would be worth it, I think, for a team to possibly take a look at him. Another yep. guy on an expiring deal this year is uh, Trevor Ariza. And he's kind of bounced around the league from place to place, really hasn't found a home anywhere, and, and he's not even really playing right now in Oklahoma City. And a guy like Trevor Ariza, is there an injury that I missed, or, or what's going on with the Trevor Ariza saga? No, it's sort of it's sort of like a situation like they had with Andre Iguodala uh, in I think it was Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. where there's sort of a, there's sort of a mutual agreement with the team to say, hey, let's see if we can find you a place around the league. If we can't, we'll just eat the money. No big deal, because um, we want to do right by you. Uh, that's something that the Thunder have been, you know, they they've built a reputation the last few years for really doing right by guys, especially veteran players that are, you know, towards the back end of their career. Um, and so that's something like, I, I think that's the reason that they're, that they're doing that with Ariza, And it helps the team too, because, you know, he doesn't stand the chance of getting injured on the court. And, you know, you do get something back and trade for him. And if you don't, yeah. hey, it's a win-win either way. Yeah, absolutely. He's, um, I was kind of surprised to see he was on your all's roster. I kind of forgot he was there and I'm like, has he not been playing? And he hasn't. So that's a, but that expiring deal. And and I think somebody will take him up and off your hands. Um, well, it it continues. If you look at the top of the payroll with the expiring deals and not fully guaranteed contracts, George Hill, he's at the Mm -hmm. top of the payroll here. He's getting, uh, nine and a half this year, next year, not fully guaranteed. But he is playing. He's averaging about 12 points per game. Uh, what has George Hill done for the Thunder this season? And do you think teams will be calling on Hill as we approach the trade deadline? Just very steady. I mean, same as Horford. He's been a guy who's sort of like uh, a jack of all trades, like above average at a lot of at a lot of things. You know, and he played well for Milwaukee before. Um, he's played well for the Thunder this season. Just as a very steady hand you know, who can fill a lot of different gaps. He's played point, he's played shooting guard. Um, and he, he doesn't get, you know, rattled easily. There's a reason he's one of Greg Popovich's favorite players he ever coached. He's just, uh, like a very steady hand. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely either this year or next, I think he winds up on a contender. Let's talk about Darius Baisley or Basley. I can't remember exactly how it's pronounced. Basley. It's basically. Basically. That's what I thought. Um, here's a guy who I believe was actually drafted by the Trailblazers a while back, back when they were drafting nothing but shooting guards and potential threes. Um, and he ends up in Oklahoma City. Seems like he's found a nice yeah. little home here. A, 12 points per game, seven and a half rebounds per game. And you guys are really getting him on a bargain here. $2.3 million for his contributions. He's actually developed into what I would call a, a nice little piece for the Oklahoma city thunder. Yeah. Well, I mean, actually, if you remember, like that was, that was a draft day trade by the blazers. So he yeah. was Oklahoma city's pick. They just, the blazers made the selection. Okay. 
Okay. So I remember only, him getting a, drafted. Yeah. He's a second year player. Um, second, I think it's second. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's been, he's been, uh, he was a little disappointing to start the season. The shooting hasn't been quite what you'd have hoped. Um, but he's picked it up on production lately. Um, you'd like to see him shoot a little better. Um, but he's finding ways to contribute, um, you know, across the board. Like there's, there's a lot of guys on the, a lot of young guys on the thunder that are being given opportunity and, you know, struggling at times and, and doing well other times, basically had some really nice games and some real stinkers. Uh, I'm still not sure yet what you get from him, but Hey, Hamadou Diallo was not great for a while. And now he's a, integral piece of the bench so you know uh, i do want to point out that i did get that wrong it was the jazz that took basically traded him to memphis and then he ended up in oklahoma city uh what okay, i remember yeah, about the jazz ba- yeah uh the basely was what i remember him him making waves was he decided to not go to syracuse and then didn't even go to the g league and he decided to just mm-hmm. train uh, which is becoming more and more common which i think it may change though with the one and done rule um now being changed. So just yeah. an ongoing saga here with the NBA. Yeah. Um, no, he's, he's a rich Paul client. Uh, basically yeah. like Paul got him the equivalent of like a NBA minimum contract roughly for an internship with one of the shoe companies. I can't remember which one. Uh, so basically was, he got uh, a year. Yeah, to, I think it was Adidas. That sounds right. Yeah. I think it was Adidas too. Um, but yeah, so he got a, he got to get paid and, and train and, um, Got picked a little lower in the draft than he might have otherwise, but, you know, who knows? Hey, if it works, it works. Uh, you brought up uh, Hamadou Diallo, though, out of Kentucky a couple years ago, another second-year player who is just doing his thing right now for the Thunder. He's averaging similar numbers, uh, and you talked about him being a big bench piece. Would you call him basically the sixth man for the Thunder, and and what do they want more of out of him? You know, here's a guy who won the slam dunk competition – and goes into the draft, didn't get taken until the second round, uh, 45th overall, but it's putting up really good numbers. Yeah, I mean, the thing with Hami is for a long time, he just he wasn't making a lot of good decisions with the ball. Um, he's always been hyper-athletic. Just that's been his thing is just he will. I think you have to be to play at Kentucky. I think that's a rule. Like yeah. You have to be ridiculously <laughs> athletic to play at Kentucky. Like, you don't even have to be able to shoot, but you got to be athletic. Right. But even among Kentucky guys, like Diallo's a standout. I mean, there's who was it he dunked over for for the for the dunk contest? He jumped over a, a seven footer. Yeah, I remember him um, doing that. I forget who it was. Like like this it guy has hops, you wouldn't believe. Uh which is and he's a weird player too, because he he's basically he it's basically all two point attempts and rebounds for him. Like he's not he's not much of a shooter and he doesn't really try to be, I think long-term they'd like him to get to the point where he can shoot. But at the moment he just, he's so fast that he can get to the rim and, and explosive enough that he can finish there. And so he's just a, he's a really unique player in that way, kind of like young Westbrook in that. Um, and he's had to play points some with a lot of the injuries that the thunder have had uh, and guys that have been out for COVID stuff. They've had some really funky lineups where he's played some point guard, and yeah, he's getting a lot of developmental reps this season. 
Yeah, and you know, another another piece that I was unsure of coming out of Kentucky, but he's actually turned out to be uh, a pretty solid player. Ty Jerome just came back uh, to the to the lineup after spending some time in the G League. He had that high ankle sprain. He's back mm-hmm. now. He's only been back for a couple of weeks. How do you evaluate his time back now with the Thunder after spending some time in the G League and rehabbing that injury? I mean, he's been playing pretty well. He had a he had a really nice game the other get the day. Uh, sorry, ah, he had a really okay. nice game the other day, um, and he's been playing well in the G League. The Blue are playing, you know, pretty well overall from what I've seen. Um, you know, there's a lot of guys. The Thunder are going to cycle through the back end of the roster, kind of like the process Sixers did, and just look for guys that you know you can get some production out of, and maybe they turn into something. I mean, uh, Roby was, you know. Nobody knew who Roby was, but he's putting up decent numbers. Jerome, I mean, I know they're hoping to hit on something with Pokashevsky, and I think they're gonna they're gonna try and like keep doing that over this year and next. Just like bring bring in some guys that they think may have some upside and some pop, and just see who sticks. And I don't know, like I'm always a little hesitant with young players to crown uh, crown them as like, oh, they're gonna be good or they're not gonna be good, yeah. especially because like I don't. I don't watch as much film as a lot of other people do. And I don't know as much what I'm looking at as a lot of other people do. So I leave that to the guys that know more than I do. Um, But he's been encouraging. Well, let's talk about somebody who maybe not so many people would be able to, to bring up here. And that is Lugens Dort, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, I think it's Lugens. I think it's Lugens. Okay, Lugens Dort. And here's another uh, another guard OKC gets kind of out of nowhere, uh, but putting up you know decent numbers, twelve and a half points per game with three rebounds. Um, What what does his contribution to this Thunder team look like? Well, Dort has been getting acclaim since the playoffs last year as a defensive um, defensive stopper. Yeah. Um, he's, he's not that tall. I think he's about six, four, but he's built really thick and wide. He has very agile feet, good, fast hands. Uh, I mean, he first kind of rose to national attention because he just put the clamps on James Harden in the, in the playoffs last year. And there's just been a lot of like video clips of him circulating around Twitter with, you know, smart basketball dudes just being like, Lou Dort is ridiculous on defense. It's really hard to play defense on the perimeter with the changes, the rule changes that have been, that have been made over the last 20 years or so. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you change the hand check rule and, and like, that's the big thing. I miss uh, that. But there's, I miss hand checking. I really do. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the game's in a good place right now, but there's also more guys right now averaging 20 points per game than ever by a wide margin. And a lot of that's due to the, changes in the game i mean i think this is the way that it goes because i mean if you look at team sports i think it generally tends to go offense first because people like to watch offense offense is exciting um but dort's one of the guys that has both the size to to stick bigger players and the speed to stay with smaller players i mean he played hard and well who's a really big thick shooting guard and he plays Dame Lillard, well, who's the small, you know, agile, uh, probably underrated at the rim. He's actually very good at the at the rim. Uh, 
and maybe maybe a little overrated as a shooter and a little underrated at the rim. Um, you know, like he's he's a good player um, who's shifty and agile and not as big as Harden, but both guys, Lou Dort plays really, really well. He's just a fantastic defender. So if you're getting points off him in the box score, that's a bonus. And he was shooting like crazy to start the year. Uh, he's fallen to earth a little bit, but the shot looks like it's there. Maybe not all the way there yet, but there's something to be worked with. Um, he's the first 3 and D player the Thunder have had that really seems like he's going to work out. Let's talk about Oklahoma City. You know, not the, I don't want to say the city, but the fans there. How much has this pandemic this year, especially with, you know, the limited capacity or the no fans, uh, I'm not sure what Oklahoma's doing in terms of allowing fans into the building, if it's a limited or none. How much does that hurt the Oklahoma City fan base? Because they were known as a tough place to play always just because of the, you know, Oklahoma city, they don't really have the, any other pro team. That's all they have is the thunder and the city would rally behind that thunder team. How much is this pandemic hurt in that aspect of, of getting these young players, maybe some support from the crowd that they would need to maybe will them on. If, if I can use that term. Oh, absolutely. It's a very different environment. I mean, you talk to guys that were in the NBA bubble and, and there is, it's a different uh, environment. Some guys thrived in it and some guys really need some of that crowd noise to get going. Uh, the Thunder don't have anybody in the arena still. Um, so there's just, there's nothing but piped in crowd noise basically. Yeah. Uh, and I think last I checked, I haven't checked in a minute, but last I checked their road record was actually better than their home record. Um, but I don't think that's an anomaly, uh, among the NBA too. Like I know the, the, the peak is a particularly hard place for, you know, away teams to play in, but, you know, I think that's kind of across the board. Like it's just, it's a struggle this year for a lot of teams, a lot of players, and, you know, it'll take some time to get used to. Yeah. Even, uh, like, Oklahoma city is eight and nine on the road and six and 11 at home. You're right. Yeah. And even with like practice time, uh, I've seen a couple people talking about this guys that are a little more tapped in with the league. Um, there's just, there's less practice time. You can't do shoot arounds the same way you normally would. Um, there's just, so you're seeing a lot of teams where they would normally put in, you know, more defensive coverages, teach the plays more, that sort of thing, you know, and, and, and guys are just not getting the same level of coaching. So I think teams that have a high level of continuity from year to year, like the Utah Jazz, which are seeing this year, um, are overperforming because they already have a lot of that stuff locked in. And teams that turned over a lot of personnel may have a harder time. I mean, outside, you know, like the Brooklyn Nets have three fantastic isolation players, you know, yeah. hand the ball to one of those guys and go. But like, I mean, I think the Jazz success is directly correlated to that, especially since, like, Quinn Snyder runs one of the most complex offensive systems in the league. It's one yeah. of the reasons why they tend to struggle in the first half of the year is because guys are still just learning what to do. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's a thing across the league is that teams are struggling. Yeah. Um, I want to ask this. How is the coaching staff in Oklahoma handling this uh, this team into this season so far? How would you feel that the coaching staff has done? I mean, I'm very happy with it. Um, I mean, it's always hard to tell with a young team, but they're they're bought in. They play hard. 
And Dagnold's been the guy that they that they relied on for development in the G League for years and years and years. Uh, he came up all the way through the ranks. I think he's I think he's been a Thunder lifer. Uh, I want to say he's been with the org for that long. And for a while, I don't know if this is still the case, but for a while, I think they kept the same playbook between the Blue and the Thunder. The Thunder have always leaned on their G League team heavily mm-hmm. uh, for development. I mean, you saw guys like Reggie Jackson spend time, a lot of time down there. Um, he's probably the most prominent example of a guy that spent a lot of time there and went on to be useful, but there's like most of their players spend time down there. And Dagnalt's directly been involved in that for years. So I'm happy with him. Um, it seems like the guys are really developing. Uh, and he, they're bought in. They play hard all the time. There's a good vibe with the team. Well, one last question here, David, and I'll let you go. And I do appreciate all the time you've given us here today. And I always ask this question of my my guests, and that is, who's maybe somebody on the team because we've covered a lot of bases here today, especially talking about you know the players on the roster. Who's maybe that sleeper player that we don't talk about enough, or is not heard about enough on uh, you know on the sports talk shows? But who's that X factor for the Thunder that maybe does the dirty work nobody really talks about? I mean, we've covered a lot of ground today. Uh, one guy we haven't talked about is Mike Muscala. Oh yeah, um, he's been, he's been really really solid this year. I mean, he's a He's a three-point shooter. He's been a little streaky in his career. There were some people who were very, very vocal in my mentions about how trash he was when he came to Oklahoma City. Um, <laughs> if you've ever talked to Sixers fans, you know exactly how that goes. Oh, but, I, I, uh, I'm friends with many Sixers fans, <laughs> so I know exactly. But yeah, I had some very vocal people in my mentions when I was like, oh, he's a decent signing. And they're like, no, he's trash forever. Uh, <laughs> he's been, He's been great. Like just, uh, he's had some really nice scoring nights, uh, just a steady, you know, stretch big man, you know, you can count on, you can count on him to, to hit when you pass it to him. Um, and then also like Isaiah Roby, as far as the young guys, um, not a name you're going to hear much out of. I don't know if he'll stick or not, but he's a guy that like, I didn't expect him to get any playing time coming into the season. And he's been very solid, like, you know, not lighting the world on fire, but yeah. you know, maybe some found money there, you know, like an Abdel Nader or one of the guys that just kind of, you know, sticks around on the back end of a roster and carves out a nice, nice little journeyman career. I think he could be one of those guys. So yeah. Okay. There's two well. for you. Well, we need to uh, eventually sit down and figure out why Philly fans are so angry. Uh, but that, that, that could be a that could be a, a mini series. Oh my goodness! Oh, they hate everybody, even their good players. Uh, it's, it's, uh, well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I just, I have no answer. <laughs> Nobody does. If you can figure it out, please send us an email. But David, thank you so much for jumping on and. Let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you and, and read any of your work or, or anything like that. Plug away. This is your plug time. Oh, yeah, definitely. So uh, the main place you can find me is on Twitter at, at BirdRightsNBA, Bird, R-I-G-H-T-S. It's a salary cap term. I specialize in salary cap stuff, particularly relating to the Thunder. Uh, but I, you know, I do a little bit of, of stuff around the league. I keep an eye on stuff and, and talk to people. Uh yeah, and you'll see my work over on Daily Thunder, 
uh, every now and then I'm a contributor. Um, but yeah, if you ever have any questions about salary cap minutia or the thunder or, or anything, hit me on Twitter, send me a DM, whatever. Um, and I'll be happy to engage and point you in the right direction. If I don't know the answer myself. Well, don't ask him about Philly fans. We don't have any answers, but I appreciate <laughs> the time, David, so much. And uh, we hope to have you back real soon. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Have a great one. You too. Dennis Lyle Walker had one of the greatest sports memorabilia collections anyone could ever hope to have. His collection was valued over $10 million, and he started an investment company in his hometown. He started buying up things left and right, and the police became involved when they thought he was committing fraud. What happened? He vanished, and then was found dead. What happened? We investigate on this week's Wide Men Can't Jumps, Unsolved Mystery. Thanks to Trevor Lane, thanks to David Brandon, and thanks to our great sponsors, the Law Offices of Stephen P. New, Atomic Comics Collectibles, LLC, Stay Classy Meats, and of course, our good friends at Strip Cam Fun. Thank you all for all you do for us here at Wide Men Can't Jump. All right, Tim. It's, you know, we, we thank our sponsors, but before we came back, the Unsolved Mystery play, this one was very interesting to me. The story of Dennis Lyle Walker. Have you heard that name? Texas Ranger. No, damn it. <laughs> Here we go. 43 years old, Dennis Walker was a sports memorabilia collector who collected items belonging to Babe Ruth, Mickey Mantle, Pete Rose, among others. His collection is valued at over $10 million. In June 1980, Walker started an investment company in his hometown of Medford, Oregon. He started grandiose investment schemes and even opened a bank on the South Pacific Islands. More than 140 people gave Walker several million dollars to invest over the years. Walker's employees trusted him and also invested with him. Walker bought rare and expensive sports memorabilia with his investors' money and started with buying baseball cards, but soon began buying expensive rare items. He leased a building in Medford, opened a sports memorabilia museum, even had Pete Rose there as a guest for the museum's opening. Walker had thousands of dollars worth of baseball cards, rings, and uniforms in the museum. In 1986, Medford police obtained a search warrant of the office. The state police were watching Walker for over a year with, his, with suspicious activities that he was undergoing. He was charged with fraud and racketeering based on the evidence they found. The authorities, however, had trouble with the case because the investors did not believe he was cheating them out of anything. None of his investors had ever complained to authorities. Walker even countersued the police. He had a number of summons, but never appeared in court. Walker believed that the police would seize his collection, so he and a co-worker packed everything away. Walker left Medford in April 1986 and completely vanished. 16 months later, July 5th, 1987, a man by the name of Charlie Lee was found dead in the bathroom of the Las Vegas hotel room. Authorities found a pill bottle on the counter with the name Dennis Walker. Dental records confirmed the dead man was Walker. A cause of death could not be determined. It is unknown if the man's death was an accident, a suicide, or a homicide. Authorities would like to determine how he died. They would also like to know where is the rest of his collection. There have been no suspects identified. They've claimed that this may have been a mob hit. And if you have heard about this, 
It was featured on an October 12, 1988 episode of, I forget the television show here. Unsolved I, it Mysteries? Never, it might have been Unsolved Mysteries. Actually, it was Probably. Unsolved Mysteries. I think Probably. Um, and the case is still unsolved. $120,000 of his collection has been located since he died, including Babe Ruth's shirt and World Series ring. However, the rest have not been found, and they still do not know the cause of death. What a story. Well, I'm going to go the cause of death. His heart stopped. That's always yeah. easy. That's never tough. Um, well, I mean, yeah, if you want to get down yeah. to brass tacks there, I mean. I I, right. I'm going to go probably sounds like, I mean, this, this kind of reminds me like of, you know, the stolen art stories where the kind of people that get involved in that stuff and there are people that will spend big money and never tell anybody they own it, never sees the light of day, is in somebody's basement locked up away, you know, that sort of thing. Because how long would it be before, I mean, some of the memorabilia must have been known what he owned and if it appeared for sale or whatever, but there's a shady underground to all that stuff. Oh yeah, there is. And if you get into it too far, and it kind of sounds too like the police obviously suspected him of some type of fraudulent behavior, which I'm going to guess. I saw a show once about um, that nearly, I believe it was 78 to 85% of the, memorabilia that's sold to people is actually fake yeah because there just isn't you know ted williams didn't sign five thousand baseballs yeah well i mean he may have signed five thousand baseballs but the five thousand didn't survive well it's also one of those things where you you try to get jsa certified items if you can that always helps well this show actually showed this guy who owned some card shop i don't remember what his name was but was a big player. And they actually had a whole, uh, you know, they were darkening the baseballs and running them through tumblers so they'd be scuffed up a little bit. Like, they had taken it to a whole new level. Wow. Of, uh, well, I said, because there's so many people aren't, you know, if you're a baseball guy, apparently, and probably for all sports, you know, a baseball, you can't find a baseball that was made in 1927. No, they don't, they don't exist. So trying to, you know, if you're going to go fraudulent on a Babe Ruth autograph, you pretty much have to do it with a newer baseball. And they're stitched differently and the, the way they're made and what they're made out of and all of that. But regular folk, I mean, I wouldn't know if somebody said, hey, Tim, here's a Michael Jordan signed basketball. Okay, I wouldn't know if it was the right kind of basketball from that era. I wouldn't know if it was Michael Jordan's signature. I wouldn't have a clue. I'd just have to assume that it was legitimate, right? Well, if they handed it to me, I'm going to assume it's not legitimate. <laughs> well, no, but even if somebody bought you one. Yeah, I mean, I would want to say, you know, hey, where's the uh, certification? Do you know it's real? Where did you get it? Obviously, you're going to question things. But... Like, people are looking for, what do they call that, provenance? You know, we want to, if, you, if Michael Jordan signed this for you, get, where's the picture of you standing beside him? Yeah. You know, holding said item, you know, and that sort of stuff. So we got some some proof that this is actually what you say it is, because. I, yeah, yeah, I mean, I get well, it. Did you see, though, like to, to segue that from this unsolved mystery, because that's a pretty cool story. And I'm going to assume he crossed somebody and got off for his problems. Go ahead. Um, there's this new thing with this digital 
top. I can't remember what the foot the basketball cards are called, where it's a digital card. Oh yeah, the tops. Yeah, digitals. and they're well, and it's, and it's made its way into the art world, where okay, this is a one of a kind. You don't get a physical, you know, it's nothing you can hold in your hands or anything like that. But there's only one of them, and if you and I guess the, I mean somebody's somebody paid what was it six point two million dollars for a Luka Doncic card, I believe it was one yeah. of these things. Okay, but that's insane. <laughs> the card market right now is insane. I, I'll tell you that. I know. I'm not going to say how I know, but let's just say I know. The well, card I mean, market right now is insane. Again, this is a you know, it's kind of like. I, I equate it to Bitcoin and all that kind of stuff. Uh, if you're a big player, yeah, okay, you can pay $6.2 million for a card maybe and turn around and flip it for $7.5 million and laugh. But if you're Joe card collector, you're probably going to get hosed. More than likely. Because you can't afford to, in, you know, or you don't have a availability to market to sell that stuff. Because uh, not everybody's got that kind of money. I mean, everybody's got eBay, Tim. I don't mean it. Okay, <laughs> but fina- a, financially, a, you don't. No, you don't. And you're that's right. The, that's the problem. It's you know, okay, a rich man can okay, yeah, I'm going to spend four million dollars, and if I have to hold on to this card for six months to sell it for five million, I can do that. Whereas you and I, you know, if we bet five dollars on the Lewis, we're out our five bucks and we ain't got five more. So well, you got that right. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, you're right. But Again, all right, that anyway, kind of stuff you gotta be leery of that stuff. You gotta be you careful. You do, you do. But before we wrap up, you had something you wanted to uh to do here. Uh as you I'm sorry, I'm pulling back the curtain. Tim just took as I, off as I slowly choked and it, was, and it was hilarious to watch. <laughs> you know what I mean? He almost died. My kid, you, you cough, you go. <clears throat> <laughs> then to let everybody know the severity, you do this. You go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Anyway, that might be a Canadian thing. I don't know. All right. Anyway, you had something you wanted to bring up here. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna read you these ten names. All right. Okay. Okay, and you got to guess. They, 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 these are the ten leaders in a statistic. All right, NBA statistic number one: LeBron James. Okay. Number two: Carl Malone. Okay. Number three: John Stockton. Number four: Kobe Bryant. Number five: Jason Kidd. Number six: Moses Malone. Number seven: Russell Westbrook. Number eight, Isaiah Thomas. Number nine, Hakeem Olajuwon. And number 10, Patrick Ewing. Hmm. Right? First of all, who's a noticeable absence from that list? No, Michael Jordan. Correct. What do you think the stat is? I'm going to go with most minutes played in a career. That's my guess. I don't know how right I am, but that, that's okay. My... Now is when I tell you it's a negative stat. Oh, it's a negative stat. Okay. All right. Well, if it's a negative stat, then most turnovers. That would be correct. Oh, nailed it. 
But isn't that interesting, the correlation between really good players and turnovers? Well, you have to turn the ball over if it's in your hands a lot. And Stockton, Malone, LeBron always had the ball in their hands. Yeah, but odd then that Michael Jordan isn't on that list. Very strange. You know where he is on the list? Where? 30th. Wow. Keep making that argument, folks. Just keep well, making that argument. As somebody said, the article was actually in defense of LeBron James. And I have to agree that the reason he leads the league is that he has the ball a lot. He's played for, for, for a very long time. Yes. And, yeah, so it, it's logical that... It's very logical. <clears throat> that he'd also turn it over a lot. Yeah. I was kind of surprised like that the big men were on there. Well, you get the ball in the post, you have somebody come down and swipe you. I guess it depends on definition of turnover, I suppose. Well, and how many of them secure a rebound and the ball gets taken away and stuff like that, you know. Well, or, you know, or somebody yells out to, to Hakeem, you know, fries. <laughs> Jesus. Well, on that note, that's going to do it for Wide Men Can't Jump this week. And we hope you all enjoyed this episode. And thanks to our guests. Thanks to our great sponsors. I guess I'll thank Tim. It's done? Really? Yeah, show's over. That's it. That's it. Bag them up, move them out raw high. I'm going to have to talk to the network about turning this into a five-hour show. Oh, God. (laughs) Well, considering you did an hour and almost died... So, and you're currently dying now, as I can see. Got a goddamn frog in there and it won't go away. I'm out of here. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening as Tim slowly hacks up a lung. Get a Diet Coke for the man. Damn, Shackleford, where are you? I need an IV and a glass of water stat. You're not going to be all elite if you keep this up. We'll see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. Take it easy, everyone. Are you okay? <coughs> yeah, I just got a frog, you know, like a scratchy. Oh, I guess I should I stop. I guess I should stop play. recording. Now yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Which leads me. Thanks for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at anchor.fm slash WMCJ. Check us out there and download our podcast directly from Anchor or subscribe on one of the many platforms where we're located, including iTunes, Spotify, and more. Thanks to our great sponsors for making this program possible, New Taylor & Associates at newlawoffice.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, located at facebook.com slash Atomic Comics and Collectibles LLC, Strip Cam Fun at stripcamfun.com, as well as Stay Classy Meats, located at stayclassymeats.com. Use our promo code WIDEMEN and save 10% on your order. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Sports Talk with Nate and Tim, and we hope you come back and join us again for our next episode at the same spot you found it last time. Thanks again to the wonderful Horse Burner for providing our intro song as well as all the other content they bring out. Check them out on YouTube, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. We hope to see you back next time. For Tim, this is Nate saying so long for now, and we'll see you again on the next edition of Wide Men Can't Jump.